0: mm uh-huh. A Guided Cruise Through Dumbest Timeline America. I'm one of your trusted hosts, Maggie Moore, and I'm joined today by Ellie Jacobs. But this is a very special episode of Taking Ship, since Ellie and I are actually in the same room. Uh, Even though we live in the same city, this actually rarely happens. Uh, Frank is currently holding down the fort in the New Mexico office, and we thank him for his service.
1: Yes. Full Mm -hmm. salutes to Frank and his entire family for their service to this nation and and the state. Uh, This is where each week we kindly request that you subscribe and like us, and please leave us a review. Either positive or negative, we really don't care at this point. Just leave a review. You can follow us on Twitter at Taking Ship, and that's Ship with a P as in Psychosis. You can follow Frank at FrankSpring, Maggie at MaggieM012, and you can no longer follow me on Twitter because I got off of that cesspool. I'm and so it's proud been, of you. It's been such a wonderful week. Like, just, I can't recommend enough that everybody get off Twitter.
0: I'm not brave enough.
2: Mm-mm.
1: It's It was such an easy, br- like, I hit my 10,000. I deleted it, and I haven't looked back. I mean, sure, I have the the taking ship account that we all kind of monitor, but... Mm -hmm. It's cheating. It's a little cheating.
0: Well, also, it's keeping me shy of my 1,000
2: followers, so I take this as a personal attack. I think that your listenership could potentially fix that problem for you. It's been weeks now. (laughs) (laughs) The one of you. You can do it.
1: Yeah. So the voice you just heard uh, is our very special guest and our good friend, Rose Jackson, uh, who is a friend of ours, full disclosure, through the Truman Project.
2: Nepotism. Um, (laughs) She
1: she, uh, is currently biding her time before launching her exploratory presidential campaign (laughs) as the co-founder and CEO of Beacon, a one-stop shop for action and impact, much like 7-Eleven, but for good things in the world, not Slurpees and chips, although Slurpees are pretty good for the world. yeah,
2: I have not defamed Slurpees nor chips. Yeah. Let the record show. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the rest of Rose's bio is um, incredibly impressive. She spent her career supporting people at home and abroad, organizing to hold their governments to account, which is something we should all... Here, here. Yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs>
2: Literally here now. Yeah, yeah. here right now.
1: <laughs> Previously, she served as chief of staff to the State Department's Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor Bureau, and before that, as an advisor in the U.S. Senate. She has worked in senior roles on U.S. Senate and statewide political campaigns, including in Montana as well as advise local organizations, political parties, and governments in East and North Africa. She is a term member of the Council on Foreign Relations, and as mentioned, she is a Truman National Security Project Fellow, and a recent transplant to the Bay Area, which is apparently a place in California that people go Mm -hmm. to do things with computers and spend too much money on rent.
2: Yes, it's the largest internally displaced people's camp of the Obama administration. I was going to say, everyone that I knew in D.C. moved out to San Francisco. Yeah, we have smaller, you could also refer, I mean, there's like a mixed refugee and IDP camp. <laughs> uh, there's smaller ones in Seattle mm-hmm. and L.A., but yeah. yeah, the largest one is definitely in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I feel like
1: there's some group of them in like Soho in the Upper East Side.
2: Yeah, I don't know but if that's That seems that's like a, camp. a different class. There, that's like a city settlement. That's like in-community right. settlement, a yeah. la some spots in Jordan. Mm-hmm. Right,
1: so more with the running water as opposed to yeah the tents. buckets yeah well
2: yeah we joined we joined the Oakland tent tent camps with our four thousand mm. dollar a month rent Jesus Christ yeah
1: oh, what did I read today It's only going to go up after all the new tech, oh, I, the, the all the unicorns IPO this, the Uber over IPOs all the coming ones oh, Yeah
2: all the IPOs We're stuff. all kind of living in fear <laughs> because
1: basically everybody's going to be a millionaire except the Me. people the people who, <laughs> right, except the people who have lived there for quite some time the people who are yeah. currently working there or the people who actually drive the cars
2: Yep mm-hmm. yes. I mean, I will say it is a particularly weird thing to be whining about the lack of affordable housing and options when, you know, the average income, I think like the lower end is above 100K or something like that. God damn it. Which is pretty horrific. Are we living in the wrong place? Uh, No, we are, we, as you say, (laughs) are living in, what is it, Timeline America? Dumbest Timeline America. Oh, yeah, the dumbest Timeline America. Yes, that's true. uh, Yeah, San Francisco really does a good job of showing you how that could progress. So come on out. Great. No, I'm just kidding. I well, it's great. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Adopted home. Do not kick me out yet.
1: We should mention that we are friends of the Sonoma Valley in general because That's of true. our good friend Steve Jackson and Mike DeWald and dry, the drive with Steve Jackson.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. Which is
1: on some radio station that I feel like we should probably know off the top of our heads. Sonoma County is beautiful. Don't.
2: Definitely worth a, a little trip. Yeah. Definitely worth a visit.
1: But Rose, while we have you here in person, hey. which again, we can't stress enough the fact that like the three of us are actually in a physical room together. It's really great. Yeah. I like I feel, it, and even better that this. Frank's not here. Like, I mean, honestly, I was really
2: worried about that, and I only <laughs> confirmed because you told me a few moments ago yeah. that Frank would not be here in person. Uh, otherwise, I was gonna, I was right. gonna run because
1: you're in the Bay Area and you always triple book every single moment of the day All in the case time. something better comes mm-hmm. along.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I'm a pretty shady person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've been found out. Can I cuss on this? Absolutely. Oh, please. please do. F- absolutely. Yay. Fucking, you
1: absolutely fucking can. Come on.
0: I, I swear so much. So don't okay. even worry about it. Cool. Cool.
1: But while we have you, uh, I read your background. It's obviously impressive. But can you give the, the give the folks at home
0: <laughs> give the good people basically,
1: you know, our parents? Mm.
0: Can you give them an idea um, of
1: how you got to where you are now, the things you've done in the past, a little bit more specifics, and, and and build out why they should all vote for you for president in twenty twenty four? Definitely not after another four years of Trump.
2: It, um, it's oh my uh, god! Definitely another four years just, of Trump, and uh, we will be leading the underground resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is painful. Wow, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like, you, you got it covered. I'm a democracy kid, and definitely had a little bit of a non-traditional background, though I always say in international affairs, the best kind of career is the one that Mr. Magoo's you through life a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actually. You just follow the weirdest path, and it'll take you to wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a lot of U.S. domestic campaigns, and then would get really frustrated with the American political system, and then was lucky I enough. Why. I don't know. It works so <laughs> well. Uh, but I'll tell you, there's nothing like uh, working with human rights activists and mm. civil society, members of parliament, political parties, like the institutions of democracies and a lot of other countries around the world to then come running back home and be like, man, <laughs> we have it pretty good. Yeah. That was true until about 2016. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we'll flash back to that in a mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so I did that for a while. I just kind of like rinse and repeat. Um and uh, eventually really just wanted to get abroad, so I went and did my master's as a Rotary Scholar in Kenya, like most normal people, um, and uh, still was working with something called the National Democratic Institute, wonderful organization supports small sure. D democracy around the world, um, and was doing a lot of work in Somalia and Uganda and Kenya and happened to be there during the Arab Spring, mm-hmm. and so if you're a democracy kid watching the Arab Spring, you kind of like just want to be there, Uh, And so I went to Libya in 2011, got there a few days before Gaddafi was killed, Mm -hmm. um, and had what will definitely be the best job of my life. Um, Someone, weirdly enough, trusted me to, quote unquote, just know things and not quite sure how that came about. Uh, But I just got to wander around Libya with a really wonderful organization, the International Organization for Migration, that was saving literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives of migrants and other folks who are stuck in the middle of the war zone Mm. and helping them to safety to return home to their families. Um, And I got to wander around with them and do political analysis and uh, see a lot about how societies function in conflict, post-conflict, all sorts of different uh, situations, was there for the Declaration of Independence, which is unbelievably moving as an American to watch uh, Mm. and imagine what that might have been like. Uh, back here, but got to see a lot of different ways that democracy forms or weakens. Um, and so, by joke, I kind of became a counter-authoritarian expert, which never felt that relevant until it was. Until suddenly. Suddenly. Smash so, cut. That yeah. feels
1: very G.I. Joe.
2: A <laughs> counter-authoritarian expert? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound as fighty, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. We used to joke that there'd be, like, an African dictator's breakfast of, like, sharing best practices every year. Like, how to rig an election, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how to sow doubt within the Western public. <laughs> Turns out... <laughs> Fashion that, choices. Yes. Yeah, well, only Gaddafi. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> stands on his own. Maybe some of the older guard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like um,
1: the medals that they were making up. Like, that mm-hmm. guy, the the general in North Korea who's got, like, all the medals that basically, like, they have him pinned onto his knees because...
2: Oh, Kim Jong-un? No, no,
1: no. One of his... Oh, his, one of his, one of his general. One of his,
2: approved. Yeah. Family members that he's when, not threatened by, so he hasn't Has not blown them. up with anti-aircraft yes. guns, yeah. Which, that was... I got to work on that in the State Department. Not the blowing up part, the right. uncovering the blowing oh, up yeah. part. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't... I think. mean,
1: in, to his credit and shame, if you're going to do it, like...
2: Literally bust people onto bleachers yeah. and force them to then watch a firing squad of anti-aircraft guns to your uncle, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that's what the Romans did.
2: Yeah. <laughs> minus, <laughs> minus the
1: minus anti-aircraft guns more <laughs> lions more lions, lions less yeah. anti-aircraft yeah. guns
2: yeah yeah it's uh, it's its own form of brutal oh my god good okay. times no i can joke about that stuff in days <laughs> well so i did i ended up at the state department someone was like crazy enough to let me have the keys to that <laughs> um but did more of the counter-authoritarian stuff globally and uh, watched pretty horrified while I was there, was kind of the march of closing civic space across Mm. the world. And particularly watching, honestly, Russia kind of beta test um, its its push for nihilism Mm. as a way to counter kind of consensus on basic rights. Um, And it was really frightening then to watch 2016 unfold because it was really familiar um, in a lot of different ways. So, I mean, like both in terms of some of the ways that Trump was riling people up to be kind of only for self sounded very similar and looked very similar to ways that we had watched Putin kind of screw with their neighbors, as well as just in the international space. I often joke that he's like the ideological Al-Qaeda. <laughs> like, he's not going to own the space. He doesn't have, like, a counter-ideology. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to, like, own it. He's just going to burn it down so that nobody can have it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, if that sounds somewhat familiar, because the next step is, like, every man for himself. Mm. There's no no one worth believing in. Everyone's full of crap. They're, you know, so just, like, just do what you do. hmm um,
1: There's a guy on the Democratic side that has very similar talking points.
2: <laughs> I'm not taking that bait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and nobody on the Democratic side comes anywhere close to Hefe uh, Trump's mastery yeah. of the mm. Putin narrative. Um, but yeah, I was I left the State Department 2016 spring so I could sleep for a few hours and watched with just total horror as things started to happen in this country that looked real familiar to places I'd watched around the world mm-hmm. and like kind of the horrible part of it was uh I almost joked that it was like you don't pull that string like we don't mm-hmm. we don't know how to put that part back together you can pull this one but like oh free press no don't please don't mess with the free press <laughs> like any other thing just any other the, thread yeah can you pull this one over we can just be dicks to each other yeah, that's fine that's cool. yeah but like not yeah. So, I, I watched that, but, like, I was the Saturday Night Live episode, definitely. The, like, no, no, Philly hasn't voted yet. Like, we'll be We'll be fine. We'll be oh, fine well, I forgot
1: about that. No. That was the Dave Chappelle. Yeah. When he had, they had Chris yeah. Rock on. Yeah. and Tri- Tribe Called Quest was the musical guest, which
2: mm. I it's love Tribe. It's amazing but, that you know that. But, yeah, yeah that was very But that was, a,
1: that was a phenomenal
2: Because it was, like, take. literally a live shot from yeah. all of our living rooms. Yeah. No, no, we're good. We're no, just going to have no, a lot no. of work to do afterwards. Oh. Yeah. So
1: I distinctly remember it, <laughs> leaving the Javits Center.
2: Oof, never well been happier. Well, I well before to to many
1: people, well, I wasn't planning on going, but friend of the pod, Andrew Boreen, dragged me. Which jerk! I appreciate that Just he kidding. gave me the opportunity, but like, I read the tea pretty earlyish on. No, I did not. I got out of there and <laughs> was drinking solo cups filled of whiskey by about ten thirty.
2: I so I actually joke that I've wanted for a long time to do a podcast that starts with the night that Trump was elected, mm. and follows a number of people from that moment forward. Because I was in Denver volunteering. At Josh Weinberg, friend of the pod, sure. mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. A political director in the Taco truck on every corner. Yes, he, he excellent he, job there. So, Actually procured To give some trucks.
1: background, yes, uh-huh. he procured taco trucks to put on every corner.
2: And uh, it was delicious corners, yeah. Uh, so we went to go help. Catherine Marr of Wikimedia Foundation sure. was volunteering there. Uh, Jamie Carlson, a renewable energy expert extraordinaire, was volunteering there. Mike Masserman of Lyft. Um, and so we had, like, quite the little cabal. Mike Wu as well. and uh, All wonderful people alike. All, yeah. We're, and all in all, San
1: Francisco currently.
2: No, Wu is in D.C. Oh, is he? Yeah. Right. And Jamie's in L.A. She's in the, the smaller IDP camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, but we were, we were all sitting there and, uh, I, with them eating a burrito across the street from the Colorado version of the Javits Center yeah. and, uh, decided we were definitely not stepping foot in that place, went back to where we were and began heavily drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and I, but I immediately reached out. So I, when I was at the speech department, one of the things that the bureau I worked with um, had the responsibility for was the Internet Freedom Portfolio for the U.S. government, which is something that most American taxpayers don't know exists, and would be pretty damn proud if they did. I think. Um, for you can tell them, or
1: you can tell a couple hundred of them right now.
2: <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, no, it's pretty amazing. So, like, while all of the fights around encryption uh, were kind of blowing up, we, we were part of those policy fights uh, within the government. We used to joke, you know, the NSA tries to crack a bunch of things that. Tiny little State Department DRL puts a few hundred thousand dollars behind to help activists stay safe around the world, and that Mm -hmm. encryption holds. So the stuff that means that right now um, it is harder for bad actors to gain access to your pictures and your financial information is actually thanks to, uh, often, small investments by really brave, wonderful people building creative technology to keep the most vulnerable in the world safe from really shitty governments trying to do them harm. Hmm. And my bureau had the blessing and, like, really wonderful people of doling some of that money out and working with activists around the world to figure out what they needed. And so Mm -hmm. that could be mesh networks, if you've ever heard of things like that. That is Tor. That is any number of other things that uh, is used on a regular basis um, by plenty of people that now are suddenly realizing how nice it feels to maybe have some protection over your own privacy and information. Um, so I had had the pleasure of working with some really smart, creative people in places that I never wanted to compare with our own home. Uh, and I reached out to them that night, literally Mm. texted them and said, we got to talk. And there was a group of guys that I'd worked with in Canada who had built some things, uh, that looked at the time. I was like, cool tech, bro. Why? I don't, I like hate tech for the sake of tech. Agreed. Have a reason. Um, but as I was sitting there that night, there were a few things that I was really worried about. Um, and I thought, all right, this, I could see how this stuff could get repurposed and we, we got to do this. If I've spent my entire life working with activists around the world Mm -hmm. in some pretty tough environments to figure out how to organize, um, and how to put pressure on our government that's trying to make it harder for their voices to be heard or trying to subvert democracy, um, gotta
0: turn home. (laughs) Now time to take your talents to South Beach. (laughs) Yeah, just, well, (laughs) no one wants
2: to go to Florida, (laughs) Politically speaking, never. No. Sorry, Florida, I love you, but you're nuts. <laughs>
1: no, that that the the political cartoon of somebody just sawing Florida off. Yeah, and Bugs Bunny. Oh, is it Bugs Bunny? That
2: was Bugs Bunny, huh? There's it a wasn't gift. a political There's cartoon. A gift of it's Bugs Bunny, Bugs Bunny, Bunny doing it. sawing Florida bad. off and kicking it out into the ocean where it belongs. I'm sorry, Florida, I love your beaches. I really do. You're a wonderful, wonderful and truly insane political state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, 2016, you left, you worked on some campaigns, and then uh, you started working for the Open Society.
2: So I was at Open Society Foundations when that all happened. So all right. I, was, I was doing like nerdiest thing ever was we have 20, uh, $20 billion a year that we spend as a country supporting foreign military and police. In training up, getting access to weapons, all sorts of other things, and we like have absolutely no idea where most of it is going. So
1: this is I, this is le- this is seriously like the nerdiest thing ever. And I remember Rose explaining it to me. We were sitting in your office like the week after the election. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we were both like still like hungover. Like, from, was, like,
2: I was definitely drunk for that. Like, like, week. later, yeah. I,
1: I think it was the week after I had just come from from another meeting, and I also I had a cold. I was like <laughs> right out of my brain on cold medication. I mean, <laughs> we were sitting in your office, and you were explaining to me. What you were working on, and at first I was like, I don't understand any of those I don't words. That. But then, like, it clicked in my head, and I was like, Wait, this is like a big fucking deal. This yeah. is like an important thing that's actually a significant chunk of change.
2: And one of the most and like, like impactful. Yeah. yeah, it's like the vis- most visible form of American power in the world, and right. often the thing that most people see and see in a bad way. Uh, if they come in contact with like a corrupt police mm. officer that beats the crap out of them, if they know that the United States is supporting that police force or supporting that country's military that's beating the crap out of them, they assume the United States is the one directing the beating of the crap out of, true or not, pretty problematic in a lot of different directions, but even if you don't care about human rights, even if you don't care that someone's getting the shit kicked out of them with American money, um, we just, like, literally don't know where it's spent. Like, I used to joke that, like, Obama, back in the day when we had a president that was a Mm. president that might ask questions like this. Right. Well, uh, could read,
1: really. Also could read, yes. Our ongoing, I mean, it's not even a theory, I think it's fact at this point, is that good brain's best word is actually illiterate. Hmm... If at best, functionally illiterate.
2: Just doesn't care. She doesn't care doesn't to read. Care. He has yeah. things read to him. Yeah. No, he, he gets, has picture books. He gets books briefings, briefings and, and picture books. to yeah. him. Uh, yeah. No. Our prior president would ask things like this. Sure. Uh, if, if there was a desire, for instance, to know, like, how much are we spending in Nigeria? Mm-hmm. On supports the Nigerian military police. Like, literally no one in the U.S. government can answer that question. Like, straight up. That's so troubling. Yeah, no, it's, like, deeply troubling. It's not a partisan issue. Like, it's just, like, terrible on all the fronts. So I was working on that. Yeah. And, like, really, really super nerdy, like, how do we build new offices and systems? And, like, how do you report on things? Mm -hmm. Like, I love this shit. Mm -hmm. Nobody else really gives a flying crap. I feel like mm-hmm. if
1: somebody asks me, like, what do you spend on your cell phone bill, I can answer that. What do you spend on cable, I can answer that. What do you spend on rent, I can answer that. What do you spend on, like, alcohol? I don't
2: know. No. Yeah. I don't, not, only can I not, not only can I not answer
1: that, I, I don't, don't want to know. I don't, don't know want to
2: know. That is a perfect analogy. I'm going to start using that. Yes, the security sector assistance fund problem is essentially the equivalent of the U.S. government. Alcoholism. Yeah, it's the yeah. U.S. government's alcoholism problem. <laughs> yeah, right there. Yes. So I was working on that. And when the U.S. Met, government's
1: alcoholism problem,
2: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm fully OK with that. That will not come back to bite me. Uh, I'm not making light of alcoholism for anyone who suffers from that. It's very serious. And I also want to help you. Yep. Um, no. So, like, I, you know, I that happens. I still have that job. I'm supposed to be writing legislation trying to get members of Congress to, like, ask Donald Trump to report on this stuff more. And it just felt like I'm pretty sure I said this to you when we were meeting in my office a few days after that definitely drunk and definitely drinking woodford
1: it was <laughs> it was no more than 10 to 12 days after the Oh election. yeah,
2: then I was definitely already working on this and I yeah. definitely said something like, I feel like I'm putting a fire out on the deck of the Titanic. Rearranging, and, yeah, deck chairs on the Titanic. But I have boat patching skills. And mm-hmm. like the iceberg yeah. hit the boat and I, I I, can patch some boats kind of. Mm-hmm. And so like, why am, I, why am I putting this out on the deck? I'm going to go down on this little tiny dinky lifeboat mm-hmm. and I'm going to throw some duct tape at least. And maybe I'm going to go find some other things. Mm-hmm. And so Thus Was Born Beacon. <laughs> it's great, I just... Aligned my brand with duct tape, mm-hmm. so as you can Strong. tell, Honestly, I am reliable. marketing just genius. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: a a uh, mentor and sometime client of mine uh, is a CIA officer for 25 years, and he said that one of the things he would always carry with him is duct tape.
2: I'll take it. Yeah, he was clandestine officer,
1: worse. like not an analyst. Like
2: so, you should always carry beacon with you.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, tell us tell us of beacon. <laughs> Speak to us of beacon. Speak to
2: us of beacon. The duct tape of activism. No, uh-huh. uh-huh. it just no. doesn't really. We'll we'll, we'll find. We'll 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 get there. We'll yeah. get there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. So the like, duct
1: tape of anything isn't bad though. Like, no. No. Everybody knows duct tape is a like super it's useful.
2: Really flexible and durable, and it's gonna it's gonna do the job.
1: And flexible. Flexible is.
2: Flexible. Mm-hmm. It can do. Yeah. It serves the purposes of many different people. I don't. We're gonna stop going down this line. I yeah. don't think it works. But I do <laughs> love duct tape. Um. No, I mean, there were a few things. So I always joke that, like, those days after the election felt a little bit like an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. My job for many years was literally being dumped into another country where I was lucky enough to try to have some dispassionate view, a little bit of distance from what's going on. Right. I can't tell you how often I wish we had that. Like, someone not from the United States yeah. to, like, be dropped here and be like, hey, crazy people. <laughs> Here's what you should be doing. I see some incentive problems here. Oh, God. Um, you
1: were, the, you were like, the Tuckville, but...
2: yeah we need where where are our french brethren no damn it no keep going everyone's lost their mind yeah uh putting
1: a lot of money into rebuilding a church which
2: yeah i'm not gonna
1: argue with that as a concept but still like
2: we got some other things we weren't able to raise that kind of money for Syrian refugees that the Russians were trying to send right. flooding into like European countries. Like the fashion countries. billionaires just suddenly mm-hmm. roll
1: out with $300 million. Like, yeah. where the fuck have you been for the last five years? And
0: mostly well, just proves that rich people don't care.
1: No, They don't care at all.
0: No.
2: No.
1: Nope. There's going to be a lot more rich people, as we were talking there
2: about. There we go. And they do care about Notre Dame.
1: And they're not going to give a rat's ass about any of this stuff. No.
2: Yeah. Well, but they'll talk about it a lot.
1: They're going to talk about <laughs> it. And they're going to be the jerks who, like, go to the, to, to the Strand... And rather than buying books that they actually might read, they're gonna do book by the foot <laughs> for fourteen ninety five. You can buy like mm-hmm. they'll they'll like mm-hmm. color coordinate books to put on your shelf so that it looks like you're I don't know, like something out of Downton Abbey.
2: Did you just copyright that? Is that oh no, you mean this like no, no, placeholders? Yeah. You're saying it's the thing that like it makes it look like you have many right. leather bound yeah. books yeah. behind you. Yeah. Okay. That your you.
1: like library smells of mahogany mm. and leather and that yes. you've read many books.
2: Yeah. And it's literally just a front. It's just curating a yeah. Yeah. look and it... Yeah. Yeah, like good Basically, times. you're wow, just playing stuff. Fortnite. Which I've heard of.
1: I've heard of as well. I don't know what it is.
2: <laughs> I don't think any of us do. Yeah. No, because none of us are 12 no. or the parents of 12-year-olds yet. Yet. That's coming.
1: That we know of.
2: That we will. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Well, Beacon is your child, is it yeah. not? It is. It's not 12 yet, though. It's it's right now at like well, a we'll cantankerous there. toddler stage. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, like, so, like, dropping into countries, and you often get to see, like, wow, this is a really intractable problem, Mm -hmm. and these people have a really... Uh, reasonable reason to not want to talk to these people and blah blah blah. So if you like have the ability to just for a few moments try to imagine yourself as n- not the American with the stake that you have in your own country, mm-hmm. there were a few things that I was really worried about looking from that position of like, all right, we have millions of people who woke up the day after the election, and this is this is like the best part of the American I'm glad you said Day
1: and not morning because
2: whenever you woke up,
1: yeah, that was. Oh yeah.
0: I was, Although I woke up weirdly early, I did too, and, and I woke then woke cried and then went back to sleep.
2: I didn't cry for like a year, and it was I was worried that America broke that me. That you were just dead inside. I cried yeah. so much, Mm-mm.
0: but I had been organizing for three months ahead of that,
2: yeah, ahead of election day. So I, I was also just think ready that to you're to not cry. broken inside, so that's good. No, that's I, a, spent, good I spent I spent
1: I spent about twelve a.m. to two a.m. on a park bench in Riverside Drive <laughs> with my phone turned on you know, on airplane mode, listening to Rage Against the Machine, drinking really expensive scotch out of a solo cup.
2: That sounds about right. And mm-hmm. then went
1: home and took an Ambien. There like, you go. Probably not the healthiest option. No. 100% particularly not the my healthiest wa- option. Particularly because my wife was out of town at the time. What? Ironically in Wisconsin.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm. Is it her fault?
1: No, she voted. Okay. Absentee, I think. All right. She did. Yeah. We're going to say she did. Cause, Good job, wife. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, no, I think we were... But yeah, late.
1: I woke up at like 2 o'clock the next day.
2: Yeah. We woke up and And then picked brunch. up a bottle of bourbon and kept <laughs> going. Yeah. I drank bourbon until I fell asleep on a couch watching Uncle Buck, because it was the only thing any of us could tolerate taking in at that moment.
1: This is my favorite election night story yet. Oh, wait,
2: we all went to go
0: see Doctor Strange the next day. That movie was really bad, but, like, no one cared, because we all just wanted to, like, sit in the dark and not talk about it. I
1: wonder what their ticket sales were of, like, that.
2: Of, like, people going to see movies... The day Because just didn't want to face. Yeah, I went running by myself and a drunken. Like it was a very weird. Like we went to brunch. I oh, actually, this is horrific. We went to brunch. Um, and I switched to Bloody Marys. And an email popped in while I was at brunch. Uh huh. Yep. From a Burundian activist that we had helped flee to safety, uh-huh. who had gone to my same graduate school in Kenya, uh, and so he had gotten in touch. And when I was in the State Department, like he had helped broker. Uh, a, uh, a meeting with the opposition at a moment that they were like at the precipice of genocide. Mm-hmm. So this is like a, a guy that has literally fled ethnic violence, almost genocide, literally, right? And he yeah. he has he and his wife moved to uh, Congo, Rwanda, back to Kenya, back to Congo, back to Rwanda. He's now had two kids, right? Like he he sends me an email. And he says, "Rose, I'm so sorry." I can't imagine what you must be feeling right now. Like, you're sorry for me. Oh, God. That was the one that I was like, oh no. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> like, we're in trouble. We are in so much trouble. So, like, trouble. yeah, so number this one, is stupid, the sympathy <laughs> right, oh, I Number God. one bad thing, survivor of genocide comforting me. Number two bad thing, that dude on his own, as is every other human rights activist that, mm-hmm. again, people don't know, but. Parts of the United States government are able to support and put some power and medical assistance and legal assistance and just safety at the backs of really brave people suffering really shitty things. Mm -hmm. So the idea that, like, that guy was (laughs) reaching out to me to be like, um, I, my condolences, this must be deeply (laughs) painful for you, was just, like, profoundly heartbreaking, but was also a thing that, like, pushed me, okay. And I have to say, he reaches out to me every few months. Mm -hmm. And I do love that there's a little bit of a shift with all... Like, I'm really lucky that I've gotten to meet some incredibly brave, inspirational humans that have, you know, had the shit kicked out of them, been locked in prison for tweeting. Like, really, really shown what commitment to democracy and freedom means and paid for it. Mm -hmm. In ways that, like, we don't even come close to. Even in this, like, terrible moment. Not even remotely close to it. Mm -hmm. But that there's a little bit of a, like, solidarity frame that comes out of that. Um... And I I really, I do genuinely appreciate that. And I take it into what we're doing with Beacon quite often. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was a mind fuck. That was just like, I've never felt worse than that. And felt more horrified that, like, just it's like watching the slow car crash, but like extend Mm -hmm. into years. Because Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, like there is no State Department, essentially all of these programs and the trust that's been built up to try and work with these very brave people that you know, we were honored to have the belief of right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not just something you get. Um, that's going to take a long time, and a lot of those people bear the consequences of our shittiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that definitely spurred me a little bit more. And so I was thinking about all of these people that I've gotten to watch up close in in profoundly brave ways, um, push for the things that we take for granted quite often. And I was concerned that you were going to have all these people really excited to do something. The best intentions of the American public, right? Like, we're, we're do-something people. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's a kind of a common thread and belief that I love and I want to foster with people. But they walked into this profoundly overwhelming and confusing space, right? Like, you might have known who Planned Parenthood was and you mm-hmm. knew who the ACL was, ACLU was and you donated. And, like, record-breaking numbers flowing into those two organizations, right? And then this thing called the Women's March popped up and you're like, sweet. I don't even fully understand why I'm doing this, but I am going to go march and I'm going to show yep. just by sheer force of numbers that I don't stand for this nastiness. And <laughs> Except for <laughs> Ellie because he's a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, and then you like turn around. I'm just kidding. Ellie's a great guy. Uh, you turn around and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. And the problem was like there wasn't anything that was really built to answer that question for you because most of the technology that exists out there was built for political campaigns. Right. And if you like know the history of how all this stuff came to be, most political tech leapfrogging happens in like presidential cycles, and mm-hmm. so it's built by presidential campaigns that have gobs of money. And, if, and I can see this as someone who's like worked in campaigns for years. Like if you're being honest, a campaign essentially is like one job, and that is to like annoy you enough yeah. to get you to go do one thing. And if they're lucky, cool. Also donate some money and maybe knock doors so they can expand the annoying right. vector.
1: They're also their they're, they're ultimate startup, right? They spin yeah. up a billion-something-dollar company. And then just
2: and then drop down. In like months, that. and then they disappear. Which is, I mean, so their incentives are not aligned with what sustained movement looks like. Right. And so if I like, leave that for a minute, right? And that's what people experience, right? So if, I, if I'm if i the person day after the election who did the Planned Parenthood and ACLU donations, a March and the Women's March... I, then, I got like 3,000 emails from everything I ever touched. And I, I was invited to like 20 private Facebook groups and I started getting text message alerts <laughs> and like whatever mm-hmm. random stuff was being thrown on me at Twitter and like, holy crap, I don't know what to do. And if, if you tie that to like, I, I tried to think about what are the lessons we have from political shock and mobilization and movement abroad. And, you know, like, again, I was in Libya during the revolutions. Like, I saw the Arab Spring up front and the good and the bad of it. I was in Uganda during walk-to-work protests. Like, I can, I can name a lot of moments where there was a political shock. That's easier, right? Like, political shocks happen all the time. And a mass mobilization. It's a lot easier to get a bunch of people pissed off to say, all right, we're going to go do something. The dangerous part of this is the inherent, like, belief in someone who's willing to get up off the couch, go to the street, and start yelling is that there's some power, that they've been convinced that they have some modicum of power that if they put that power together with other people, the sheer mass of that power will result in some change. And that's great, except if you don't take that initial step and that initial influx of people and channel it towards something, there's no change that happens. And everyone learns this lesson that your power doesn't matter, that your little voice and your little impact can't combine to something. And if someone comes back to you 10 years later and says, hey, really need you right now your voice matters it's a giant middle finger back because like i've heard that before Mm -hmm. and last time i stood up and marched you know mubarak may have gone away but my life didn't change in egypt it changed if anything for the worse or you told me that if i walked to work and protest in uganda that my food would be more affordable, and I'd be able to actually afford fuel to go to work, and things would be livable. And I have the same guy or and the same. If you same go out crowd. and vote
1: for your congressional candidate in twenty eighteen, your life is going to change. Right?
2: Yeah, although I think I, I have to say I've been, um, I, I always say so. In the beginning, a lot of people ask me. They're like Rose, like what's what's this like? Like what's our chances? I always said, like, people who believe that the institutions will save us, like, I want to slap you across the face, because institutions are people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the assumption that it's some passive thing, that there's this, like, structure that is going yeah. to hold us together. Like, no, the structure is what you get to work. And so it is, I always said, it's 50-50. It is entirely dependent on the decisions that all of us collectively make right now about whether or not we exert our power through those systems, that we end up with a country that, at the end of this nightmare, that we're able to rebuild into something that is familiar and in service of the values we've all been working towards as part of this crazy exercise in democracy. Mm-hmm. Or equal chances that it ends up looking like something that we would never imagine we put next to the name the United States of America. Right. And so, like, it's up to us. That's it. That's right. the end of the story. And so if—
1: The, Frank, the fact that Franklin Grant—like, we, we on the podcast we've talked about, like, how the, the GOPT, the Grand Old Party of Trump, is, mm-hmm. like, a step away from getting rid of terms. Oh, yeah. Getting rid of term limits. Franklin Graham last night tweeted tweeted saying he should get two extra years because of the two years that he was under investigation for Mueller. So, yeah, like we're – but Beacon, like one of the things you're saying like that I'm kind of taking out of it is that there's a barrier to entry for activism.
2: So it's actually a great segue. So I see there's kind of like three core lessons that like massively simplified from the international experience. So like what's the difference between those places where that political shock – there's mass mobilization and then it peters out and burnout versus political shock to mass mobilization and sustained movement that is the hard, There's South Africa versus
1: Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, although Zimbabwe right now is an interesting moment um, and I can get into all that but yeah, like there's a bunch of examples. Some of them aren't as sexy Um, but the thing that I can say is usually a difference is there's three and the first is actually what you said that there's an easy starting place, right? So if I say to you like, I'm going to build a house, Ellie, build a house for me. Right. Your response is like, I don't, I don't know I'm how to I'm gonna call my brother, but that. then we'll
1: then like Oh well
2: you got some resources. Yeah. I don't know how to build you don't a know house. You wanna build a house? You're like no. I cool. I like I like the idea of building a house, but like I don't yeah. But if I said, Maggie, like here's two boards, can you nail it together? You'd be like, Yeah, yeah I know how to do absolutely. that. Absolutely. What would your next question be to me? Now what do I do? Or why the fuck are you asking me to nail two boards together? would be a more reasonable question yeah. to me. Though I appreciate your I mean, I faith. trust you. I'm like, Rose wants me to
0: nail two boards together? Like, great, now what? That is... What you need next, girl? Just so deeply appreciated. <laughs> I have to
2: give you a vision for that. And if I said... I what? feel like there's a
1: really broad group of people who are like, nail these two boards together. I'll just
2: be like, all right. All right. Yeah, cool. Well, except that's, I joke, that's the version of the petition, right? Like, mm. you can do that only so many times before yeah. people are like, why? okay, why? This To is what dumb. end? Right, because right. there's this in, in belief, right? Like, okay, you might that's not have to the first That's the
1: whole change.org thing. We're just like, what am I doing here?
2: Well, and that's, why? I mean, so there's a huge industry around trying to help people get larger email lists so that you get more of those thousands of emails that you're like, how did I even sign up for this? Definitely doesn't push you into more action. And so part of what we're trying to do is give you an easy starting place, but give you meaning and intention behind it. Mm. Give you proof points. The, the things you're doing actually have the impact that we tell you it's going to have. And that's responsible that's for the organizers.
1: That's huge. And
2: give you a sense of community. Right. So that there's an awareness, whether that's online or offline, don't actually care. It doesn't really matter. But that you know that you're not the only one taking on this really massive task together. But you do have some intentionality and idea about like what you're trying to do. So that, like the end of the Women's March wasn't like, Donald Trump will no longer be president. That would be a very dangerous message to send people because guess what? Still president. Still Shocker. Better. But instead, we channeled... I mean, and so this is what's interesting. I said we were 50-50 at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'd say we're like 48% likely to come out of this. So that doesn't mean I'm not like... I'm actually like less optimistic than day one, but I'm still pretty much equal odds because we actually managed to do a lot of those things and hold on to it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it gets harder and harder and harder, and there are more and more people every day that are kind of self-selecting out, mm-hmm. and more and more needs that we have. Well, let's point out... The Republican Party it's not like they've been like well we've got the federal level locked down right now so we're cool we won't continue to do what was a brilliant like multi-decade campaign of taking over state legislatures yeah. mm-hmm. and of pushing now, really A-Alec controversial is, shit state is one rights. of the yeah.
1: smartest most successful thing that no one has ever heard of yes that this is a group that, that they basically pushed policies state after state essentially the same policies that were all I mean what you would think the Trump like policies and regulation, oh, regulations. I've no, yeah.
2: for 30 years.
1: But it, it's, it's, and it, they just Genius. repeat it state after state, and it is, it's template has been, language. it has been unbelievably well, successful.
2: Alex, has Alex has been successful? But the thing that enabled it to be as successful as it was is that they invested in local infrastructure. Yep. Mm-hmm. They paid attention to local races. Like most people, well, have there's no two idea. parts to it,
1: right? Like yeah. they made the investments, but the other side just didn't pay attention. They were also like, that. we don't we know what the fuck is going it. on on the city level. Who cares? We're trying to win the Absolutely. presidency.
2: We didn't challenge it. So, like, we're really committed to the local. And it turns out that if you interview people who, you know, we call them upstanders—folks that prior to the election paid attention to what was going on but didn't really self-select in—there are millions of people that have chosen to like put their hand up. And jump into the fray and they're still kind of muddling through there's not a lot that's built for them or built for them to figure out like I have certain issues that I really care about and I don't actually care if you're a political action committee or a candidate or a 501c3 like I don't even know what that is Mm -hmm. I just want to do something that matters and that matches my interests and my skills and like hell can it be in my backyard Mm -hmm. because it feels like there's a lot of stuff happening in my own community that I care about and that I can feel see and touch and I don't know what to do. And it mm-hmm. takes me two hours to find someone, or to do research to figure it out, or I call Maggie, and Maggie's like, I, I don't, I know, I know someone <laughs> I can call, and then yeah. and then call someone, right? So we wanted to build a network that facilitated that process, a hell of a lot mm-hmm. more easily, um, and that made it easy for it focused on the individual, it focused mm-hmm. on you, which I should say at this moment in time that you should 100% go check it out. Oh yes, it's beacon.us, or if you want to download the app, we have a web and an app presence. You can go to act, as in like act up, dot beacon.us/slash Taking dash ship, because, you know, we want that's to give credit. ship with a P. That is a ship, not a, sh- yep. As in? Why did I suddenly shy away from Christmas? Prognosis. I don't know. <laughs> that was weird. Anyway, yeah, so this yeah, is. Do you want to repeat that one more time? Yes, it's act.beacon.us slash taking
0: dash ship. And we'll link to it in the show notes, so don't, don't get too stressed if you didn't catch that.
2: But basically, if it sounds good to you to find really easy but impactful ways to take action on the things that you care about across a number of different organizations at the local and national level uh, without getting bombarded by 8,000 emails at a time and having it focused entirely on you, you should check us out. Uh, And, you know, Save Democracy. It's a small little thing that you can do.
1: Yeah, small little thing. So before we uh, move into our lightning round and wrap this up, can you walk through our listeners what the user experience is like? Like they download the Mm -hmm. app and Yeah, absolutely.
2: So you create an account. And we ask you three very simple questions. The first thing is we ask you to give us your address. We actually throw that away. We use it to match it to your local elected officials. And I say that only because everything we do in here, we're trying to be as privacy conscious as possible. Uh, I'm a human rights privacy nerd. And so we only collect what we need to collect. We keep it very safe and very secure. And we don't hand things out to organizations without your express knowledge and consent at every step of the way. So after you put in your address and we tell you exactly who your state reps are because you have never heard of them before, uh, we then okay. ask you <laughs> to click off from a, a little list. You can just pop your finger over the button of the issues that you are most passionate about, suggest you choose three to five, and then a little screen pops up and then asks you to choose all that apply to you. And that could be that you're a parent, or that you speak Spanish or you're a lawyer, you have time or a car, or you build websites, whatever it is, what it is that you have to offer and you would love for people to ask you to engage on. There's something for everyone to click off. And that's it. Once you've done those three very little things, you get a feat of action. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. five actions at a time that match your skills, interests, and location. It learns over time from your behavior and offers you increasingly relevant opportunities. But we're also going to slowly escalate the difficulty of it, try and get you to do new things, introduce you to new issues, to organizations. New things, not nude things. (laughs) Not nude. No, we Uh, prefer that you wear clothing to most of these. But in the privacy of your own home, you do you. Um, no, we're going we're gonna to take you on your own user journey to find the ways that you can have impact at your own pace and in your own way. Um, and then you can, of course, always explore through the app. You can search by organization and issue. You can search by location. You want a time it takes to complete an action. Um, everything is tracked. So you can always go back and know how much money you've donated across the board, mm-hmm. the number of actions you've taken. You can share those things out with your friends, and we're actually going to be rolling out playlists in the next month or so here that allows you to create a list of your favorite organizations and your favorite actions that you want your friends and family to take and share that out instead mm-hmm. of writing that really annoying email that you have to do 20 times over and over yeah. with hyperlinks. Right. So we're, right. we're pretty pumped about that. It is Really geared towards making sure that the individual has the best experience possible with the idea that that will create better action and impact and start pressuring organizations to respond yeah. to the needs and wants of local communities. It's like
1: the big, the two big things are A, it's not just donation based. You're no. not just looking for money for people. No, that we and also more, have donations. And, right, and more importantly, you're customizing the opportunities to person skill sets.
2: Absolutely. And, and I should... Which
1: then are correlated to their particular geographic area. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so you if you get a call, um, we just did a really wonderful pilot with some with some groups in Colorado um, and they just finished their state legislative session last week. And so we had a bunch of groups sending out um, phone calls asking people to call their state reps or to call specific state reps. And that just gets automatically localized to you. So we don't ask you to like know exactly who they are, but you get a little thing that tells you their name. Mm-hmm. It tells you the script of what the what the issue is that you're dealing with. It, you can just click to make the call right then and there. That's automatically recorded for the organization to know that it's actually happening so that they can go follow up with those leaders. But it's designed to make it really easy for you. And if you don't want to do phone calls, then you might get an email. Or if you don't want to do that, then we'll ask you to actually write an op-ed. Um, but the idea is everyone's different, and we're trying to get away from the uh, one size fits fits all form of activism that can be pretty burnt out so yeah I think it's fun it's a really pretty app you can have a lot of impact and track that you can do all sorts of different things go check it out tell your family and friends no I dogs. can't wait especially because I
0: know I have so many folks in my my network who are feeling really burnt out
2: by 2016
0: kind Come of on. stuff and I think they're kind of ready to get up off the mat again so I'm really good. excited
2: good I will send you your own link please do
0: please <laughs> do but I think now we're gonna enter our favorite portion of the program when we have guests. Yeah. Lightning round. Lightning round. Yay! Don't don't feel any pressure. It's the same question. So as an avid listener, I would imagine that you know what the lightning round. I memorize them all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So number one, what is a book, a piece of music, movie, TV show, any piece of culture that you would like to recommend? Oh God. Um, Our listeners can also partake in.
2: This is gonna. This is so bad. I'm only saying this because it's like topical. Mm -hmm. Lest everyone think that I'm like a really depressing human being. Oh boy. Okay. So. I know a lot of people, the second season of Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. was, like, deeply overwhelming, so they just quit. But there's this... I haven't
1: watched because... Do it. Couldn't just... I know. After the first,
2: I no, was... No, deeply painful, and it feels like you're getting punched in the face over and over again, and then they kind of pull out and give you a little bit of a break to just then come back in and punch you in the face you over and over again. Yeah. So in the second season, though, there's this really brilliant episode where they, they show you what normalization is. Mm. And they show it to you through your own reactions. It is... It is perfection, and I wish every American had to watch it for that reason. So they basically take—I'm um, not giving anything away here—but they take the character of um, Fred of all. Fred. Elizabeth Moss. Well, they take no, but they take Elizabeth Moss's oh. creepy boss man. Fred. Fred. Yeah. So isn't it Fred? Because yeah. he's of Fred, yeah. I think. That yeah. took me an embarrassingly long amount of time to figure out, by the way. Yeah. Same. Um, and they send him to Canada on a delegation because there was, like, an attack and he survived. So they're, like, mm. reopening. And you see, like, almost like American foreign policy in an external frame and what it's like for human act- rights activists in another country to be like, oh don't God. do it. Don't let up the pressure. And so you see him in the society that is creepy Gilead as Mm -hmm. actually being like less extreme and less strict than some of the other people and so you start engaging with them as you know somewhat more humanized versions and you start normalizing them in the context of their Mm -hmm. really creepy terrible society and then all of a sudden he's thrown into what looks like present-day United States and you're like jarred you're just like oh 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 god like he is a monster. He's a monster, yeah. And so the show literally just slaps you in the face with your own normalization. You have normalized this guy mm. in Gilead, and then you see it against your current time. And I just, it's, it's such a useful gut punch. Yeah. I just, like, it's fascinating and brilliant, and I know that makes me sound like a really depressing human, but, like, go watch it. Just no, better. I love that. A specific episode of The Handmaid's Tale. Good. All right. Um, you want to do the next one?
1: Yeah. A food or drink you've had recently that you recommend.
2: Oh, Oh, okay. There's a bar in San Francisco. I'm going to give it a shout out, Evil Eye the Mission. All right. And it has a drink that is perfection. Go on. Perfection. <laughs> and it's going to sound weird to you, but it is perfection. It is bourbon, passion fruit, a little bit of coffee liqueur and some other stuff I don't remember. But it's like mm. the smoothest. It's not sweet, but it's not like overly alcohol It's just like the perfect meld of taste. Mm. An hmm. alcohol level, like it's, it's happiness. I think it's called "Devil is in the details."
0: Devil, yeah, that's a great name. Yeah, for that, a that works. That I like works. that. Yeah, oh, yeah. so good.
2: Wonderful. That sounds delicious. Come
0: visit. Literally, <laughs> I will. Okay. <laughs> okay, you convinced me. Yes. <laughs> Give me the old hard sell. You're like, put passion into something, to. and I'm like, Same. Sign me up. Same, but often right it there. comes out bad. Yeah, and this does not. Good. Okay. Um, question number three: Would you consider a pop tart to be a ravioli? Fuck no. Why not?
2: Ravioli should be savory. Mm. Okay. All right. That's fair.
1: I feel that that works. All right. Uh, well, the, we probably know the answer to this question, but we, we ask it anyway.
2: <laughs> Do I like Donald Trump?
1: In the oh, Trump no. era, lots of people are interested in doing something. <laughs> what is one organization you recommend supporting and Why?
2: Beacon! Yay! But actually, <laughs> can I actually give a real shout-out to it? Yeah. Yeah. Does you understand like what we're trying to make sure you have access to? Mm-hmm. There is an organization in Colorado called Casa de Paz. I am blown away by it every day. It is entirely volunteer-run. There's a woman named Sarah Jackson. No relationship. I'm giving her a shout-out <laughs> because I do not understand how this woman does all the things that she does. But there's a detention center run by a for-profit organization. Nope, for-profit company mm-hmm. called GEO has a lot of prisons across the United States. This is a detention facility just outside Denver that houses over 1,000 migrants that are picked up all across the country, some of them at the border.
1: Is this the company John Kelly just joined the board of?
2: I have not seen which one it was oh, that he God. joined yet, but I wouldn't be surprised because they're pretty massive. Yeah. Um, and this is a pretty terrible facility. And so, Sarah and some other volunteers said, you know what, this isn't our backyard. We're going to originally rent an apartment, now rent a house. And we're going to provide a place for families to come stay if they want to go visit their loved ones in detention.
1: Holy shit. And
2: it gets better. They pretty quickly realized that the greater need was for people that were getting released from detention to have a place to stay. Because what happens is they literally just put you out the front door. And they picked you up on the border where they took away your shoelaces. If you even had your shoes with you, you are wearing a T-shirt and shorts. You're thrown out onto the Aurora Streets. It's not even Denver. Without a bus ticket, without money, without any information, they just chuck you out. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of the guards started calling Casa de Paz folks, and they now tell them, "Like this is, we're, we're releasing someone today. You wanna, you wanna come grab them?" Yeah. And so, they run a, a pretty amazing full-scale program where they. They go in and they visit people in detention, they help coordinate sometimes getting them pro bono legal assistance. Most recently they've started organizing with a, there's a bail fund, an immigration bail fund that's just been formed in Colorado that we're hoping to work with. Um, I I didn't know any of this, but like immigration bail is even worse than um, uh, criminal bail Uh because you're on the hook. You have to be um, kind of like, if I gave you bail, Ellie, I'd be on the hook for the entirety of your immigration process, which can last upwards of 16 years before any of that money is supposed to come back. And they could charge up up to $30,000 per bail case, and that's literally just for someone to be released from detention, potentially to fight for asylum. Oh, my God. Just to not be in detention for that entire period. Mm-hmm. And so people who are released, um, to be able to be released, sometimes they have to, on average, it's looking more like $3,000 to $5,000, so they'll raise money for that. We put that on our platform as well. Um they provide people a place to stay that night. They help them um, organize their travel to families to make sure they have a place to go after that. Uh, and then they run all sorts of other awareness and fundraising programs. And so when I most recently went to go visit, um, when I was in Colorado last, I showed up at the house on like a regular, I don't know, Wednesday night or something like that. And there were 20 people buzzing around the house, someone dropping off dinner for everyone. Uh, and I asked, you know, I was like, this is an extra crazy night? Like, what's... Yeah. And, no, nope, this is actually pretty light for us. And so that's entirely volunteer run. Really, really amazing organization with significant impact. Uh, and I I feel every day that it's really hard to like build a company and you feel kind of down on it. Like the whole point of it is to make sure that people connect with organizations like Casa Paz at the same time that they continue to support the ACLUs and Planned Parenthood of the world. Fantastic answer. Thank, Thank you. you, Rose. But then again, you should go to act.beacon.us slash taking dash ship,
1: or just go to beacon.us and check us out. Yeah, so beacon.us check check Rose and her organization out because Mm -hmm. it is absolutely something we get behind and not just because we respect the hell out of Rose, but because it's also a really good idea. Uh, And while you're doing that, you can follow us at taking ship, and that's ship with a P as in Please go to Beacon.us. Yay! (laughs) Uh, You can follow Frank at Frank Spring, Maggie at MaggieM012. You can follow Rose at...
2: RoseJackson3 and Beacon at Beacon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Beacon at Beacon. And again, you cannot follow me, which...
2: You didn't want to do anyway.
1: Yeah, you didn't want to really do anyway. Uh, And with that, uh, because Frank is not here, we will not continue the War on the Sea this week. No, We will just (laughs) call it right there. So... Thank you, Rose. Thank Thank you, you, Maggie.
2: This was great. Thanks so much for having me.